welcome to They Just Get It. My name is Tyler Chisholm, and as always, I am excited to uh, be here with my guest today, Mr. Kevin Crow. Good morning, Kevin. Hey, thanks for having me. It is an absolute pleasure. Um, a little bit of backstory. I met Kevin through a fellow They Just Getter, um, my friend in one of my, I think, third podcasts that I did, Mr. Chad Hughes. So Chad and Kevin were in an executive group together, and just, again, also the beauty of living where we live in Calgary, the biggest small town ever. Everyone is one degree of separation, so I got a chance to meet Kevin, and we were chatting about different things, and I was really blown away with you know a lot that he'd accomplished in his life and just who he is as a person and what really resonated with me we're going to get into a lot of that today but really resonated and you kind of opened the 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 conversation we had around the four stools so the kind of four pillars of the stools that you build your life around i think that's a great place to start introduce people to our story and then we'll kind of build it out from there so i'll turn it over to you for a second yeah absolutely you know i think it's really important to be deliberate about designing your life and what you're going to go after and I got great advice uh, a while ago around these four key areas to build your, your life on. And the, the first one being, you know, do something that you're passionate and that you love that pays the bills, right? We need, you know, we need to pay the bills. That's the reality of the world. Uh, the second one is do something you love that gives back to the community, especially if you're in a place where you're doing well and, and being successful. The third one is find something you love that keeps you in shape and, and gives you that physical fitness. And the last one, of course, is invest in family and friends and, and have amazing people around you that are going to support you and, and really help you achieve all those great goals that you have set out for yourself. I think I absolutely, I'm a big, like, give me a formula, give me kind of a pattern. Did you, is that something you read? You said you got advice. Was that through a coach, a friend, or someone in your life? Like, wh- when did this kind of come into play? Like, for years ago, or is this more the last 10 years? Or? Yeah, it's it's probably about more the last 10 years, getting very deliberate around it. I, I do lots of reading and uh, and always love to get advice from people. I think that's one of the important things, you know, you bump into so many wise people. Um, some of it's from, you know, how to design your life. Uh, there's a great book on, you know, using design theory and being deliberate around that but that that four stool theory was from somebody uh in passing over a coffee and it just, oh, stuck just with random me. oh yeah. that's awesome just stuck with me it's such a good example you never know when like something's just going to show show up on <laughs> your plate right. and then next thing it becomes your mantra for life yeah absolutely well maybe let's let's work through this, the pillars a little bit because i think they all have a unique i think they each have their own unique story mm-hmm. so executive vp of strategy at longview systems mm-hmm. longview one of the top i think the fifth largest it company but even more importantly you were employee number six number nine yeah number nine right at the beginning uh, we've grown to 1,200 employees organically, so not through mergers and acquisitions. Uh, incredible experience, right? Incredible experience to see that growth and to be really on that uh, that success track and, and see, you know, all these offices have opened in Toronto and Edmonton and Vancouver. And, you know, our mission is a 100-year company. 100 years starts today. We're not to be bought or sold because we really want to give people incredible careers uh, because you do that by driving tremendous value for clients. And when you get in that great ecosystem, that's when people go back to their communities and do positive things, right? And so, right. you know, that's how you absolutely change the world. And to be part of that journey for coming up 20 years has, has been incredible. And and I uh, work with an amazing team and a great bunch of people. I'm talking, that's that's a great story. And I love it. It's a Calgary story. It's a Calgary-based company. And, you know, if you live in Calgary, you've probably, in the business community, you've encountered Longview. And I've met lots of great, and I have a few friends that work there right now. Yeah. And would you say right from the get-go, was that company also built on a very strong foundation of, like, who we want to be and, like, kind of that that, that plant? Yeah, absolutely. Don Balick, our founder, uh, who's an amazing, you know, wise person and I consider a mentor in my life, you know, really has this vision and, you know, um, focus on goals such as integrity and competence and creating value. And, and this mission has been at the heart and soul of that company since the beginning. And, uh, you know, not always have we executed that perfectly. You know, you always are learning and growing, but it's always been the centerpiece that we've come back to. And, uh, it's been really important for us. So that has been part of our DNA since day one. 
it's so important when I meet people that are successful, you know, quote unquote, and that can be a lot of different definitions. Mm-hmm. There's a guiding light, there's a North star, there's a principle, but there's also a set of like, this is just who we are and the way we do it. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean it's always perfect, but being able to kind of, I always joke, it's like leaning back and when you get out there and you're adrift and you reach back and go, no, no. Okay. Yeah, no, no. I'm, yeah. I'm okay. I'm anchored. Yeah. I, I can hold it, but yeah. all right, let's, let's, let's regroup and go forward. Mm-hmm. Um, something that fills your heart and fills your soul. So let's talk about the, the, the second pillar, which I think this one's really exciting to me. I, I loved when you told me this one. Talked about that one a little bit. You, so you got some success in life and you said, all right, you know what? I need to be more active in my community, more active in helping people. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, I lost an amazing friend of brain cancer and, uh, okay. uh, spent a year and a half of his last life together. And it was an incredible, insightful, um, heart growing, heartbreaking time. He had a four and a half year old son and his wife and his family and friends. And he was a super inspiring guy. And through that experience, um, you know, you, you want to do good. You want to give back. You, you know, I, I wanted to do it in, in his spirit and um, realize that there's all these travel miles that are sitting on the sideline, uh, $16 billion worth of uh, travel points and miles in Canada alone. And, you know, he had just in Canada, that just number. in Canada, oh, wow. just in Canada. It's a real number. Yeah. It's estimated to be in the trillions on a global basis. And, um, and he had, Ryan had ended up at Rosedale Hospice, and, uh, and I think he had spent a few months there before he passed away. Incredible, incredible staff and incredible facility. And, and we had, you know, typical Calgary, we had seen so many families that were in hospice at end of life, but their, their loved ones weren't here, right? Because everybody's from somewhere everybody's else. Everybody's from yeah. somewhere else. And, yeah. and understanding that they just didn't have the financial means to, you know, get a father or brother here. And, and it's exhausting, obviously, when you're dealing with terminal illness. And, and so, you know, kind of put those two things together. Hey, we have all these travel miles. Why don't we have people donate small amounts of those travel miles? So you give a thousand miles, I give a thousand miles, and we'll get those mothers, brothers, fathers, sisters on planes to be there to support, to have that last visit, to have closure. Uh, and we're just going into our sixth year, and we're at about 560 flights, about 19 million miles used and donated. And do flights across Canada, about 120 of those have been international and uh, we continue to grow and it's all volunteer and it's all people just doing it from out of the goodness of their heart. That's wow. Did you have to partner with the airline? Like how did that work? Cause I, can I just give my miles to somebody? Like I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't know how to even approach that. Yeah. I mean, there's some crazy stories in this, right? But uh, <laughs> I'm sure there is. Um, that's what we're here to talk about. Don't hold back. <laughs> that's right. This, you know, I shared this idea, a, a thing called startup weekend, which is, you know, you share ideas on Friday and then people work on them Saturday, Sunday, and then kind of have a little competition on Sunday and, and winners get some prizes. You did that here in town and here, here oh, in town. Nice. Hmm. And, uh, I went, I went to Startup Weekend because I wanted to find some tech talent, right? And and I had this idea kind of bouncing around in my head. And um, the facilitator at the front of the room said, look, this is a place to share ideas. If you do not share your idea here, consider it dead. Because, like, there's going to be no better chance to share so your idea. So the bluff was called. Or, my, or, 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 or you, were, you were called to the line. Absolutely. And it was like one of those moments where you feel like, he's speaking to me. Right? Like, he's calling me to the front. <laughs> the, the big voice is coming down. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and so I you know, went up to the front of the room, shared the idea. You could just feel this energy in the room around that idea. Like, and uh, so you know, we got a team around that idea. And we worked on it on the weekend. I think we ended up with second or third place. But I started a not-for-profit that Monday and really had no idea. So, complete, that's, so you, went, you went shopping for talent and you ended yeah. up finding this. And, and that pillar, uh, the one leg of the stool, yeah. was that evolving? at that? Were you looking yeah. to fill that leg at that point? That was kind of like, hey, I know that this is a gap in my life. What's going to fill it? Yeah, I, absolutely. I mean, this is a few years after Ryan had passed away. I'd been okay. volunteering at the hospice. And, you know, one of those things where you're, you're, you're trying to form ideas and, you know, yeah. which are the good ideas and, and I wanted to do something that was unique and, and impactful. And, um, and so I had been, you know, 
spending time uh, meditating on that, I guess, in some ways. And, and so, you know, sharing that idea just kind of took on a life of its own. And, um, and so Monday, you know, here we go. We're creating a not-for-profit. I don't know anything about the points programs, right? Like, it's just a concept, right? Like, Absolutely, yeah. You know, I barely knew how to use them for myself as a tra- business traveler. And, uh, and so, you know, of course, you, you just get surrounded by great people. And I remember having this great conversation. You know, it's early on, maybe 30 days into trying to create this not-for-profit. And, uh, and uh, I'm saying, well, we've got to set up this, and we've got to set up this. And this very wise person across from me, she says, you've got to give a flight away. That's what you've got to do. And I'm like, well, not set the right, yeah, not yeah, not I until like I'm that. ready, right? And she's like, you're 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 scared. That's what you're, uh, you're scared the, the to do. Perfection it. procrastinator syndrome. That's, that's right. She yeah. goes, you got to go give a flight away, and and I was like, you're absolutely right. And uh, so she called my bluff on that, and and uh, so you know, I, I like her already. <laughs> oh yeah, incredible, right? But l- let me tell you, one of the hardest things to do is give something away for free when you're unknown, right? So I, I had a... What's the catch? What's going on? What's, what's going happening? on? Who are you? What's the, what's what's your the hustle? What's the side? What's going on here? And this is obviously a very yeah. um, you know, private and important moment uh, around death. And, and uh, so going, reaching out to social workers and saying, hey, I have a flight um, and I want to give flights away. And, and they have to go to a family, right? And, and there's a huge trust transfer for them to go into a it family. It sounds so simple when you say it at first blush. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, that's a great yeah. idea. But yeah, like anything, when you start to unpack it. You're right, right, right. Wow. And, and so they, you know, had to convince them to go to a family and say, no, you can trust these guys are going to give you a flight. And and so we got in motion. you got zero credibility. Zero credibility. You're, you're just a guy. Who, who are you? I, anybody want, I got points. Anybody want that's points? Right. That, that's right. That's at, right. At, at a time that's very somber and obviously very emotional. Of course. There's, there's a million course. things on your mind and travel and money are, yeah, wow. Right, right. And so to get that in motion. And then, you know, then we realized, you know, to, to transfer points, like if you transferred points to me, mm-hmm. there's always a fee, right? Because they, they don't of, ideally of, want of, that. Of, right? of course. Right. And so uh, I said, okay, how are we going to do this? I said, okay, everybody can donate to my Aeroplan account and I will pay the transfer fees, right? And we'll just kind of figure it out on the fly. And the power of social media, uh, we started tweeting about that and sharing it. And lo and behold, Aeroplan said, call us right away. And uh, nice. I was hoping there was a version of that in the story somewhere. Yeah. That's great to hear. Good. Yeah. And they reached out and they said, hey, what we'll do is we'll make you a charity and then people can transfer their miles to you for zero dollars. Oh, so they did fee. have a clause if you, yeah. were, if you were an actual charity. So do you guys have to register and become a, a charity? Yeah, we are officially a, a Canadian charity um, okay. and a not-for-profit. And uh, oh, right. Okay, yeah, both. Those are yeah, two designations. Yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of work involved in that. But uh, yeah, Aeroplan's been a massive uh, sponsor and supporter of us. And they do things like match some miles at Christmas. We do a big Christmas campaign. So I can't say enough about their hearts inside this ecosystem. And, uh, That's awesome. Yeah, so I always say, you know, the, the universe conspires with you when you really set your mind to something. And... Um, you know, I, I believe in this this theory. It's not to me. It's not like you know people talk about the secret. And if I put a vision board up and I look immediately at it, was going to the secret. I think we all live through that. The secret. Right. Era. It, that's to me. No, it's not. That's not how it works. But in my experience, how it works is if I said to you, you know, how many green cars have you seen today? You'd probably say I haven't seen many. But if we said, okay, let's get really focused on finding green cars, we'd start seeing them, and then uh, we'd get really good. So every time we bump into somebody, we say, hey, do you know where I could find some green cars? And then they would say, oh, my uncle has a whole truck fleet of rental green cars. And oh, by the way, this other guy's looking for green cars. You should talk to him. And, and all those things come together, <laughs> right? Yes, and you get into this kind of synergy. And, and I can tell you, you know, Give a Mile has been for the community, by the community, um, and it's literally you know, finding the right people that have propelled that mission forward at the right time, right? 
I get to talk about it and I get to tell the stories of it. But there's all these people in that ecosystem that have really created that and allowed, you know, 560 amazing flights to go out the door for families that are dealing with end of life. That is such a powerful story. Like it you know, takes a village to raise a child. It takes a takes a team to build an idea. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, but I also believe nothing more powerful than an idea whose time has come. And yeah. I doubt there's anybody that you ever shared like that's not an idea that gets like, well, that's a terrible idea. Like yeah. it's, just, it's not. It's just yeah. not. Yeah. <laughs> there's nothing about that idea is bad. And then getting through the so you said six, six and a half years. You've been doing that now. Just six. We're just, just six. In, into our sixth. Yeah. So it's uh, you know. Um, like I said, grassroots, right? Volunteers yeah, and that's across awesome. the country, and and it, it, you know, it's an idea. Very few times, I think, can you get such a great win lined up, right? So it's a win from the travel miles because it's a great thing for their brand, and you know, people yep. obviously are going to be motivated if they can connect to causes and, and give to good causes. That well, cause, the cause base. When you think of your travel points, last I don't think of a cause. It's just it's a thing. Hundred percent. And then obviously for the families, right? It's. Uh, it's an incredible, uh, you know, experience to go from one moment not thinking you're ever going to see a loved one again, right? That's really the situation they're right. in. My dad's dying. He's across the country. I'm never going to see him again. until, And then all of a sudden you get a call or an email saying, no, we've got a plane ticket for you. You're going. Uh, so an incredible win for that. And then for the people that are collecting the miles, right? The chance to participate and use those miles to give back. And so, you know, we just love the fact that there's this win in the whole ecosystem, right? Like this is a beautiful system of win. How do, we'll touch on it. Well, how, how like, I guess both sides, how does that, how do people get involved? Go to the website? Like, yeah. I know there's people listening right now going, okay, this is a great idea. I, you know what? Shit, travel miles. I haven't yeah. even thought of my travel miles. Yeah. How do they get involved? Yeah, they can go to giveamile.org and they can donate, um, Travel miles or money. Aeroplan is the ecosystem. So anything okay. that American Express, anything that converts to Aeroplan. Um, um, 100% donation model. So everything's going to go to a flight that you donate to it. You can donate to specific flights. So there'll be flight stories on there. So if you want to help a Almost mother. Almost like or a GoFundMe or kind of like a, a, a campaign that's right. style. Oh, that's interesting. Right. Oh, that's a cool way to do it. We want everybody to be connected right to the impact. And obviously. That's fantastic. Don't make it ambiguous at all. That's right. Good. There is a general universal fund, but you can, you know, connect. Like if you lost a dad or if you had to deal with cancer and you want to give to that, there's going to be a family with a story like that. Uh, and so they can donate their travel miles and money there. And uh, we're just about to. You know, a few weeks kick off our Mother's Father's Day campaign, which is 20 flights for families that are dealing with end of life that have mothers, fathers in those situations. And uh, so we'd love people's support. They can also become a flight hero. And that's, you know, we say, you know, 25 friends in 25 days, a thousand miles each will get you a flight, 25,000 miles in Canada. And so these are people that say, hey, I'm going to go to my ecosystem, maybe have a dinner party or maybe go to uh, on Facebook and say, hey, I need people to donate. And once you have your miles together, then we connect you to a flight and the flight goes out the door. So come to the website, you know, email us at info at giveamile.org or donate on the website. We love your support. Like I said, 100% donation model. Well, kudos well done um, that is an inspiring story I'm going to go check it because I, I, of course through meeting you I went on the website yeah. and checked it out I'm like it almost seems like wow like well, why hasn't this been done before like it's one of those ideas it seems so obvious now that you've seen it yeah, I get that <laughs> which is so unfair to say that almost well I do get that question a lot right and, and uh, so good there is nobody else doing this in this space and uh, you know one of the toughest things is, is when you don't have the ability to give a flight and you have to say no to a family their first question oh. is where do I go now and unfortunately, I, I I don't know, right? And um, and like at the end of the day, is that just just need more points? That's just need more points. Yeah. But yet, these millions and millions, trillions, yeah. almost of uh, points are sitting on the sidelines. Yeah, and, and I think a lot it's of not people, a lack of supply. It's there's not there's a lack of supply, and, and the vast majority of people are in two camps. Hey, I don't have enough to do a flight on my own. Like I want to fly somewhere on vacation. Right. You can donate a thousand miles as a minimum donation. So hey, 
give a thousand miles. Or I'm a business traveler. I travel all the time. I've got lots of miles. I probably aren't going to use them all up. You know, give us some miles to get these people to their loved ones. Is there any tax implications? Is there like I'm getting way, I'm dead way down in the weeds yeah, right yeah, now, yeah. but I'm just curious. Yeah. <laughs> My brain starts going. Well, what's the checklist here? I have to yeah, think about. Yeah, we 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 pay all the the tax fees and the okay. handling fees for for people. So that's why you know donating money is important to us as well. Absolutely, because yeah, it's not as we all know who've done a flight on points. It's not just points. It's not just points, and we do about ten percent of our flights uh, on cash because either there's just not a seat available, right, because of yeah. the travel miles, or it just doesn't make any economical sense, right? Like okay. just, you know, you're yeah, one of those sometimes. situations. Yeah. We get a lot of emergency requests, right? And then th- we fly into some northern communities where there's travel miles aren't available yet. So, you know, a lot of people coming out from some northern BC or northern Alberta towns uh, trying to get into a, you know, maybe their, their loved ones in an ICU or a hospital. Right. Um, so, yeah, so cash is important to us as well. Really interesting. No, that's so. Now that we we've understood professionally your career, <laughs> now that we've understood yeah. the the hard side, let's talk about the kind of the crazy. I'm going to say I'm going to be yeah, bold. Yeah, I'm going to yeah, say a little yeah. bit of the crazy because yeah. I don't think normal people do what we're about to talk about. Yeah. So talk to me about the fitness side, yeah. and we'll get into some specific stories. But like, what, what do you do? What do you do for fitness slash fun to stay in shape? Yeah, I love to run very long distances, and uh, they're called ultra marathons, and. Um, you know, ultra marathons, anything longer than an Olympic marathon distance. Okay. Uh, but the uh, one that I think we would love to talk about is the Moab 240, which was a 240-mile run in Utah uh, through uh, many, many parks. One big uh, circle, so you never cross the same ground twice. The clock never stopped, and so it wasn't so many miles per day. It was basically, let's go, let's get 200. Start to start to finish. 240 miles done uh, across many, many days. It's good because when you hear Moab 240, like, is that just a winning name? Where's yeah. the, what's the 240? <laughs> they started 240? Oh, no, no. Yeah. We're going to do 240 miles. Yeah. How long ago? When did you do that? That I did in t- 2017. It was the first year the Moab was ran. The first year. And was that your first of that magnitude? Yeah, I'd run, you know, the Canadian Death Race, which is 125 kilometers and Lost Souls. 125 kilometers. What is a cakewalk? Yeah, oh, yeah. No, miles. believe me. You know, <laughs> in a 100 kilometer uh, Lost Souls out of Lethbridge. And then I'd run some long trail runs. and But I never uh, ran anything close to 240. And if you think of the magnitude of change, right? Oh, oh you've run 100 miles, let's say. Uh, and now I got to go run 240 miles, right? It was just a, it was a really hard thing to get your mind around, obviously. You just think about that. And that to me was one of the reasons of the challenge of, of accepting that challenge. Okay. You know, I love that. I love that saying, you know, the best treasures are in the deepest, darkest caves guarded by the biggest monsters. Yeah. And um, <laughs> when, when something kind of grabs you with that kind of, you know, fear or that like, I don't know how I do that. I don't know if I could do that. Um, that becomes super intriguing to me, right? The power of the mind and, uh, you know, how we can overcome those things. And, and they're great metaphors for us through life, I think. But I think if you look at, you know, things like courage and tenacity and discipline, those are all muscles. And I think you build those muscles by putting yourself in situations. And, and so to do something like the Moab to me was really about, you know, an ex- a chance and experience to, you know, build those muscles and understand the limits of myself and, and, uh, I can tell you when you're running 240 miles, there's no ego left, you know, at whatever mile. It must boil you down to oh. the, like, the, the, so how do you start training? So how far in advance do you start training? Let's get into the nitty gritty. Yeah. And, and by, you know, just to give everybody a little asterisk, I'm a middle of the pack runner. There's, okay. a, there's people that will win these races and are amazing, but I'm a middle of the pack runner kind of guy. And, um, so, and, the, and the thing I love about ultra is, is um, the, the training theories aren't really honed in yet. There's a lot of different schools. It's a relatively new discipline over, over, yeah, overall as, as far as being out there as a sport. You said like Moab, that yeah. was the first year. The first year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're learning a lot about you know, the human uh, kind of 
spirit and what it can do at different distances. And, and so there's a bunch of different schools of thought. For me, I usually start about 10 months out from an event. Okay. And, uh, the, you know, you're really increasing your mileage uh, every week. And then about the third week, I bring it down about 10% and then I increase. So I'll start somewhere where about 30 miles a week. And then okay. I'll probably top out for, uh, you know, I have a race coming up that's about 270 miles. I'll, I'll top out around 110 miles a week um, with two very long days. So Saturday and Sunday to me are going to be long days back to back. Teach your body how to run tired. Um, teach your mind how to run tired. Pull yourself out of bed on Sunday. And so those will, you know, top out anywhere between like, a, you know, a 35-mile run. And then the next day might be a 26, 27-mile run. Okay. We're in a beautiful situation here because we get to go run in the mountains and, and go see the beautiful mountains. And, and that's part of the intrigue for me, too, is, you know, you can run a trail. That would be a four-day hike. And once you get yourself in shape, you know, that's a one-day run. And uh, you get to see <laughs> lots, of the, lots of the great mountains. So, and then, you know, nutrition is a, a huge thing. So understanding, you know, yep. how you're going to eat and how you're going to fuel your body through that. And, uh, you know, the one thing I, I tell people is, you know, running those distances in some ways it's the easiest thing because all you have to do is run, right? The focus is really, really straightforward. Well, it is a singular, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah. And so every morning I wake up, I know I got to run. I'm not going to really read about running. I'm not going to watch YouTube running videos. I'm going to get up and I'm going to run. And that's what I got to do. And I got to do that over and over again and build that muscle of discipline and focus to pull this off. Athlete as a, as a kid, has this been in your in your blood your whole life? Like, because I know people that have come to running later yeah. in life and like, wow, I should have started sooner, but I started at sixty and won my first marathon at sixty five. Like, I've heard stories like that. Yeah, you know, give you a, some insights into I think what built up to that. You know, I had the beautiful gift of being a free range child growing okay. up, right? Okay. And and I think we need to give that to more kids. We had a little bit of, of some woods behind our house, and I grew up just outside Niagara Falls, and, and both my parents worked. And then, you know, from a young kid, you're allowed to kind of go and explore and go on adventures, and, and uh, it was a great thing. Go on adventures. Yeah, I grew right. up in a similar environment in Quebec, and yeah. going on adventures. I love going on adventures. Oh, yeah, build a <laughs> fort and, Absolutely. and you know, make up all these play games, and, and then played a lot of hockey and um, – you know, grew up very working class. My dad was an auto worker, so you played hockey, you played sports and, and baseball. And uh, and then when I was 18, I went into the military and um, was an infantry soldier and went on to, uh, to take my reconnaissance course. Uh, we call it recce in Canada. It would be called recon in the U.S. Yeah. Uh, so it was a recce infantry soldier and went on this course, which was an incredibly difficult, challenging course. I mean, the purpose of that course is to test you mentally and to try to get you to quit. I mean, that's right. right? That's ring, the ring the bell kind of mindset. The ring the bell yeah. kind of mindset. And, and, and they played a, you know, and, and they did it on purpose. I mean, you know, they need to build mental toughness and, yeah. and obviously train go, the muscle. I like right? what you said. It's if you go true. into combat, use it or lose it. Yeah. You're, you know, you're going to be in some very yeah. stressful situations. And, and so incredible leaders. And, and I think one of the misconceptions about the military is you have these leaders that are harsh and they don't care about, you know, they, they cared about you, but I think in, in the deepest way, somebody can care about you. I am going to get the best out of you. I'm going to yeah. find who you truly are, right? And I, if you need picking up, I'm going to pick you up. And if you need a kick in the butt, I'm going to give you a kick in the butt. But we're going to get you to places you don't think you can go to. And so that, I think, you know, seeing a glimpse into that mindset and what it really takes for excellence and what it really takes for greatness, you know, it kind of put a, a, a little spark in me, right? Planted this, yeah. Yeah. Well, you got a glimpse. You got, got to a, see behind yeah. the curtain a little bit of what's possible. Yeah, and it's incredible. Like, our minds are so... I don't know, um, they are a muscle, but they are, are so shaped by things, right? So people say to me, mm. oh, you must, uh, when you run a 5K, it must be nothing. Oh, no, it's a 5K. I know when I'm going to start. I know when I'm going to finish. It's the same 
almost mental exercise as running a 240. Now, obviously... That's a, yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting comparison. Right. Obviously, a 240 is a longer stretch of time, and there's a, a longer mental game that goes on. But this morning, I, you know, I, I ran this morning, and I woke up, and, you know, there was a little voice in my head that said, oh, you can go back to bed. You don't need to run this morning. You ran, you've been running all week. You, need, you could take a rest day. And that voice is a liar, and you have to overcome <laughs> that voice, and you have to move past that voice. And so I think... That gave me uh, some insight. And then, you know, I went from there. I went to university, and I really got into climbing and mountaineering. And, okay. And Always outdoors, like you I said, love, right from the get yeah. Love the outdoor. Love the mountains. Fell in love with the mountains. And, and you know, went down to the Andes and, and did some expeditions down there and climbed a bunch here in the Rockies. And, and incredible. And had a, you know, big crash, near-death experience uh, in the mountains um, in 95. That really kind of, you know, I think resonated with me around, you know, what are you doing out here and right. what's important. Um, and so that was sitting with take, me. Take stock moments. Take stock. You won the lottery. You should be dead um, type of thing. And was it a fall or was it a... Yeah, it was, um, you know, me and my buddy, I'll tell you a little bit of the story, right? Uh, so, you know, ni- 95, I was, you know, mid-20s. Uh, me and my buddy went out to climb Mount Robson. We'd been climbing lots together. And, uh, and we were going out to climb Mount Robson, and we were going to do a bunch of climbing back in that area, uh, which becomes relevant in a little bit here. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, you, go, you kind of hike into base camp, and then we climbed up. There's a kind of a rock buttress, and you put a high camp up there. And mm-hmm. the north face is this big kind of ice-snow um, ramp. And, um, you know, serious mountain. And we had climbed higher mountains, or harder mountains, but very serious mountain. Mountains can change in the blink of an eye and, and become very serious. Uh, and so we started going up the north face, and... Uh, and my friend, who's a really strong climber, normally, you know, one person takes the lead and gets to the end of the rope, and the other person cleans all the gear, and then that yep. person takes the lead. And, and he got up to me, you know, we were pretty close, I mean, three-quarters of the way up the mountain, and he's like, uh, I'm done, I'm toast, like, uh, I have nothing left in me, I'm throwing up. And, you know, he was, like, shaking. And, uh, and realizing my youthful arrogance, I had never thought that we'd get to that point and have to turn around. I thought we'd get to the top and kind of come down an easier route. Okay. So we had no plan, we had no gear. And, um, and so now we've got to kind of retreat down the face of the mountain. And so, you know, we don't have enough gear to kind of just repel all the way down. So I was like, okay, I'm going to lower you down. You set up an anchor, I'll down climb to you. And then we'll do that until we get to the place where we can, you know, leave some gear behind and get the hell out of here type of thing. And, and we were doing that. And by now it's late afternoon, terrible time to be on the mountain. The sun is on there. It's changing conditions. And, uh, I literally was like four feet above him. He's in this anchor and I'm just down climbing to him. And, uh, and slipped off, and and I remember just saying, uh, falling, right? That's kind of what you call him, climbing. And he said, "Gotcha." And no, everything just came out of the side of the mountain. Oh wow! And we went sailing. Now this isn't a sheer cliff; it's you know a fifty degree, you know, kind of to forty five degree kind of ramp. And so we're following and kind of hitting the mountain and tumbling and uh, falling long enough where you're thinking about your death. And um, you know, yeah, when you're when you're inside it, but you're but you're somewhat yeah, removed from it. That yeah, slow yeah. down yes. from the adrenaline, right? Yeah. And uh, and literally kind of hit a lip at the bottom of the mountain and uh, landed in a kind of a snowbank. Uh, I landed on my face and there was a bunch of crevasses around us. So literally like that's a lottery ticket, right? Like if you fall in a crevasse, you're falling in. Five feet, feet this way, five feet. Yeah. 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 So we landed on there and, uh, and looked up and, you know, was covered in blood. And um, I looked over to my friend and he had this really high pitched scream that I've never heard like a, like a wounded animal. Uh, his leg was broken so bad it was like twisted around behind his head, and uh, wow, that's a picture. Yeah, that's a picture. And he was like, "I think I'm bleeding. Um, you know, I think the bones have popped out of my leg." So I managed to crawl over there because I realized my knee was 
more or less blown out and uh, so I had to crawl over to him and uh, it wasn't that his bones had popped out it was he'd ripped every ligament so that hot water feeling was coming down his yeah. leg so we're sitting there I'd broke my nose that's where all the blood had come from and uh, neither of us could walk and off in the vast distance we see our little tent at a rock but but buttress and uh, he's like duh dude we're 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 dead we're, we're, this is all bad this yeah, is it yeah, man yeah. We're, we're toast and I said to him, I said, look at man, if we were going to die, it was kind of like that huge fall. That That's where we were going to die. Like we just literally have to get to that tent. Um, and so if we crawl and you know, whatever we're going to do. And, uh, and he's like, yeah, that, that makes sense. And we had one chocolate bar left to ourselves. So he says, why don't we just eat it now? You know, no, he's saving it. And so we ate our chocolate get bar. Get a little boost of sugar in the little system. Boost yeah, of get sugar. a little bit of glucose in there. <laughs> and then took off, you know, in our slow crawling and eventually whatever, nine hours later got to the tent and, uh, and got in the tent. And it's dark. It's nighttime. It's, oh, yeah. It's, and the weather's changed. There's like a storm now. And uh, just, you know, one of those epic, everything's kind of turning against you. And, and we got to the tent. And then we realized, because we, we had planned to climb other mountains in there, that, you know, when we registered with the park, we had given them another four days before anybody. So no, it's like flying, filing, not filing your flight plan correctly. That's back. right. My, yeah, yeah. No one's going to no come looking. Come look at no me. one's going to come looking for us. And so we literally you know, sat up there, uh, starving. And, uh, luckily there was some running water off the glacier and, uh, you know, uh, we hung out and my friend, is, uh, his name's Glenn. He's such a great guy. He's like, we got to reframe this man. Like, uh, you know, the, during the day, the sun's out one day, he's like, this is like, we're at like a spa, like we're on the side of the mountain. No one's bugging us and we're losing weight. Like we could be at a spa right now. Right? <laughs> I like his style. <laughs> I like his style. And, uh, and then, you but know, the power we, of the mind, like the, you said earlier, the power of the mind. And then we played a bunch of games with ourselves. Like if you had $20 and you're in the supermarket, what would you buy right now? And you know, oh, I, I buy this and I buy that. Oh, and then like, what does your mom make for Christmas dinner? And it'd be like, okay, no, slow down. Like, what does she do with the turkey? And and just like, you know, hung out for four days. And and then day five. Oh, wow, for the full four days. Yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. Well, well, day five, we said like, look at somebody should be looking for us, and and uh, and nobody came. And so now we're starting to think like we screwed up our registration or something, right? right? And because um, you kind of anchored this like four days, five yeah, days, yeah, so just get gonna, to the yeah, finish yeah, line, yeah, right? Yeah. Just get, good, good. This is a good analogy for the whole story. That's right. Just get to the finish line, and uh, but nobody came, and so then we started to think, oh, we screwed up the registration, right? We didn't file it right, and uh, and I, my knee was in much better shape than his. His leg was basically just you know wobbling all around up from his knee down. And so uh, I said, look, in the more, if somebody hasn't been here by the afternoon, I'm going to try to down climb this rock buttress. And there's a ranger cabin, I think about two miles away from there. I'll go get help. And he's like, okay, that's a good idea. So, you know, lo and behold, noon, nobody shows up. And, uh, and he's like, hey, you going? And I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, any minute now kind of thing. And, uh, and then I start packing gear. And one o'clock, sure enough, we see this helicopter come through the valley. And it comes up, lands, picks us up, and takes us to the hospital. <laughs> oh, wow. oh my God, the relief! Bro. Yeah, yeah. And there, so we're like, that's a powerful story. <laughs> yeah, it was a, a powerful event for sure. And and you know what had happened is we had registered with the park, and then they had reached out to my emergency contact uh, when we didn't show up on time. Yeah, and said, you know, tell us about his climbing resume, and you know, she basically talked about. You know, my I had a fairly good resume. I'd been in South America and that type of thing. And she's kind of like, you know, he's shown up late before. Um, and so they said, well, let's give him 24 hours, right? Because he can yeah. kind of, he's, 
he's, if he, they, they were on it, but that, they, they made a call. That's right. If he's yeah. if he's out there, he's got enough uh, experience to survive, and and he could walk through here. And, and they're putting their lives at risk, right? So I totally respect that. That you know they're making a, a, a good call there. And so that was the the twenty four hours of uncertainty that we were going through, right? But it was an incredible experience because in that you know the RCMP had contacted my family, my parents. Um, and contacted my friends, like the story was around, right? So in some ways, we had come back from the dead, right? Like, in some ways, everybody had prepared themselves, like, you know, these guys are probably dead up there, nobody's heard from them. right? And then to kind of come back into life, right? And to have that moment with everybody, you know, to kind of celebrate the fact that you're alive. You know, I spent the next three days on a patio drinking beer and, and just, you know, yeah, this is like right out of a movie, kind of. Yeah, yeah, right. Like, just that gave you incredible, um, incredible uh, context. I think to understanding the importance of life. Well, just joy. Yeah, just pure yeah. joy. Yeah, pure joy. Right, you're given a second chance, and and there's that great Stoic saying. I think it, it's, and I won't say it exactly right, but it's like think of yourself as dead today, and then re- live the rest of your life. And and in some ways, that that's a moment. I've always said, you know. I've been playing with house money since 95. Like, you know, like this, is, <laughs> this is a lottery ticket that's been given to me. So interesting. So then found your way into ultra marathons, which yeah. is almost putting yourself into a near-death experience. Yeah, yeah, just, I'm right. like, hmm, that's, I see a pattern here. It's maybe like yeah. chasing the dragon. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. So that that's a, well, it's a powerful story because I think it really sets, it, it, you know, birth or death or tragedy, the three things yeah. that can change your life, your certain yeah. perspective on life. And yeah. wow, that's a, that's a, I think it's really relevant because, you know, when you chatted with me a little bit about the 240 and about kind of what you were in during that, I hear a lot of similarities yeah. in terms of survival. The difference, yeah. and I'm assuming it's, it's a fairly substantial difference, is you, you were with somebody. You're mm-hmm. with your buddy, like telling stories, yeah. comparing. When you're out there running ultras, you're by yourself. A lot of times. This is a solo, this is a one-man show. Yeah, a lot of times. I mean, during the race, sometimes you'll be with somebody for a part of it, and yep. you'll kind of team up, and it's interesting. At nighttime, you'll see a lot of people kind of pair up. I think it's just a human nature, you know, yeah. running through the night to yep. be together. But well, yeah, isolation you, made death. You know what I mean? If you look yeah. back in our history, if oh. you got alienated from the tribe, like your chances of survival dropped drastically. Especially at night when yeah, there's yeah, big absolutely. animals. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's when the saber tooth tigers come out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, but you spend hours and hours, especially in training, right? Yeah. Just in your mind and, and uh, hours of, tra- of, of running by yourself. I know in the Moab at one stretch, you know, I hadn't probably seen somebody for like six hours and this was like maybe day three. Uh, it's nighttime. I'm exhausted. I'm starting to hallucinate. I'm running. Did you sleep at all? Or did you like, I, I so it took me 110 hours to okay. run the whole race and the cutoffs 112. So I just made it. I had, I knew it was close. I didn't know it was two hours close. Yeah. I had a lot of things start to go wrong in that race. Um, but, um, uh, I slept, I think I'd estimate probably about four hours and four days. Now, I did sleep, like, I remember lying down and sleeping for an hour. There's aid stations about every 20 to 30 miles. And okay. some of those aid stations, you could get a truck in. And Todd Malcolm uh, came down. He was our, our um, kind of aid station guy, our support guy. And he had a truck with him. So I slept in the back of a truck. Then I, a couple times, just pulled over the side of the trail and, you know, slept for 20 minutes here and, and 20 minutes there. Pulled over, meaning just fell down? Lied yeah, down, yeah. Just yeah just, oh, th- there's some good grass. <laughs> Pull over makes yeah. it sound like, it was like, oh, I just yeah, pulled over yeah, here, yeah. you know, yeah. nice spot. <laughs> yeah, nice mountain meadow. I'm going to lie down in here. Um, but yeah, there was not a lot of sleep. Uh, sleep deprivation was a huge factor. It is a form of torture, sleep deprivation. It's a real, that's a real, it's a real thing. <laughs> it is a real thing, man. It is a real thing. And, and your, your mind does some weird things. Like on that stretch where I hadn't seen anybody for six hours, you know, I started like, you know, the place I was at, and it's maybe hard to comprehend was, you know, 
why are you running? Like, what, what, what are you doing? And part of my mind was saying, oh, you're in a race. And the other part of my mind was like, nah, you can't be. In, if you're in a race, you're, you're so tired. You just, you'd be sleep. You just pull over and sleep. Like, it's got to be really important. The dialogue must be un- oh, yeah. unbelievable. And it's, I've done some endurance, so yeah. I understand, but never to that degree. Like yeah. a 10K, just pull over. Oh, I think your hip is hurt. Like, yeah. it's weird. I can't imagine for 240 miles of that yeah. dialogue. Yeah, there's a lot of dialogue. And and it, and the other part of the brain was like, <laughs> wow. it's got to be something important. Like, you're running, you're exhausted. Somebody must need your help. And this went on for, you know, who knows how long exactly. But I finally got to a part where I was just like, wherever you're running to, someone's going to tell you why, why you're running, right? Just get there. And, and so just get through it, just get through it, you know? And, um, you know, there's, there's so many things about the mind that you learn through that. I think one of the, one of the things is a lot of people thought like, you know, that the whole time I was fighting my mind, right? Like, you know, stop, stop, stop. And there's elements of that. And there was elements of that at the beginning, I would say, but at some point, you know, whether, you know, 60 or 70 miles in my brain just clicked to a place that was like, it knew I had to get to the finish line. It knew this wasn't going to stop until it got to the finish line, right? Like it, it had kind of given up that I was going to say, did, did you, you, you beat it into submission. Beat literally. it into submission. It realized, and it became extremely focused on the fact of like... How far, how long did that take? I think 60 or 70 miles. I think okay. somewhere oh, okay. around there. Okay. I think, you know, I, I had struggled early on. It was, you know, I was in Moab and so the days are hot, the nights are cold and the first 50 was really hot and, uh, and so was struggling a little bit with my pace and trying to get nutrition into me and, uh, and so I, you know, there was a lot of that kind of doubt in that first 50 miles mm-hmm. and, you know, one of the important things and I think this is a, a, a metaphor you can use in life is I never thought of it as a 240 mile race once I was on that course. Okay. I thought of it as aid station to aid station. So, I chunked it into 20, 30 mile runs, right? And so one bite at a time. One bite at a time. That was focused on. I never even really looked back at like, oh, you're 120 miles in or you're 140 miles in. It was always just like, okay, what's the next goal? Windshield's wind always bigger than the review. That's anyway, right. So, yeah, really important, focusing. right? And and I got to the point where, you know, I was having some real bad back issues and I was starting to lean over through that race, kind of 120 miles in. And, um, and I got to a place where I literally was chunking probably about a hundred feet at a time, like just go a hundred wow. feet, just go a hundred feet. And then I'd sit down and I'd kind of try to stretch myself out and I'd get back up and be like, go another hundred feet. And then, Oh, you did a hundred feet, do 200 feet. Okay. You've done 200 feet. Let's do 500. Okay. Let's just try to go for five minutes. So like, like basically the graph went down short distance and then started to arc back I up. Started again. to arc back up and just kind of try to rally out of that. And, uh, and eventually got myself going again. Now at this point, I'm not running, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really kind of just walking along, trying to keep some sort of pace going. It's, it's probably, you know, in the kind of 150, 160 mile range. And so you, you know, there's still a big chunk of race. And, uh, and so just there's still to, two marathons to go. Yeah. Three, three marathons a, to go and a, and a bunch of climbing. Cause this is the mountains, right? And the climb, I watched a few videos online. Like this, the scenery was oh, breathtaking. It was, it was, it was incredible, man. It was but incredible. I didn't look at it and say, you know what? I should go run 240 <laughs> miles. Come on, <laughs> See, man. I, I know, we'll I know, you. I know. We'll get you there. <laughs> uh, it was, it, yeah, Moab was absolutely beautiful. And, you know, being out under the stars at night and being up in the mountains was incredible and just incredible views. I recommend anybody go to Moab and it's this gorgeous place. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you just, you know, had to chunk my way down, chunk my way back up. So, yeah. So how was coming, like, you, you made it. We know that, yeah. we know the end. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's not a, yeah, yeah. I, I was going to say cliffhanger. That's a yeah. bad reference considering your earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Bad yeah. reference. Yeah. Um, 
how was coming across? I can't imagine what the sense of community must be like, yeah. the sense of accomplishment, the like, yeah, you're literally like, it's like every movie where they've dramatized that finish line. It must be that times 10. Yeah. It's uh, one of the things I love about the ultra running community is it's a true community, right? So everybody in that community realizes you're running your race, right? And it, they're, they're supporting you and they want you to finish. They don't, you know, you finish middle of the pack, you finish last racer, they're there for you, right? And, and they're helping you out. So when you're bumping to runners on the trail, they're like, how are you, how are you doing? What do you need? You know, they'll share food with you. They'll share water. The true community. Really, really supportive, right? So, you know, we're coming in the last five-ish miles to the finish line. And it's basically going down a mountain. Then you're, the last mile is kind of on a road to the finish line, right? And, uh, and I'm fighting the clock now, right? Like... I, I, yeah, you're leaning up against it yeah, like, to I'm come leaning, that far. Yeah, you know, and uh, and the woman that arranges the organizes the race, her name's Candace, and we call these Candace Miles because you could see like, oh, there's a nice little trail down the mountain over there. Oh, Candace isn't going to run you there. She's going to run you through a boulder field, right? <laughs> and so we're kind of trying to get down this boulder field, and you know, you're are you with anybody at this point? Yeah, I'm, I'm with two or three people. We've kind of grouped up here, right? It's, it's nighttime, and. Um, you're literally like, you know, climbing down versus kind of running down. And uh, I'm out of water and I'm leaned over. I'm a wreck, right? Like I'm just like a mess. And, and this shuffling guy, along, the shuffling trail. along. All I see is my feet basically for the last few miles and, and no water <laughs> and, and kind of, you know, moaning to myself type of thing. And uh, one of the guys that comes by and passes me, you know, just checking, how you doing, man? We're almost there. Like only a few miles. You're going to make yeah. it. Like, don't worry about that. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like I'm totally like, I'm, I'm going to make it. Don't worry. And he's like, yeah, for sure. So he runs by me, he runs and finishes the race. I come out onto the road, right? So I'm down the mountain. I literally, I'm lying on the road now, just like a heap of a mess, um, trying to stretch my back out. And this truck pulls up and it's him and he has a bottle of water for me. So he's finished the 240. He's crossed the finish line. Went and got his truck. Right? Wow. Like in a world of pain himself and he's driven down the road to give me water. True compassion, right? True community, like an amazing moment. So it just like drank that water. That just fills your soul up right there. That like oh, that, that whole what, story, just like wow, okay, what a great human decency being. of just human of human decency, right? An incredible human, being. a sense of a true sense of community, a true sense of the right, world. and there for you. And uh, and so yeah. then I end up going to the finish line. Candice meets meets all the finishers at the finish line. Gave me a big hug, and I I you know I bent over, I gave her a hug, and I said uh, I need to see a doctor, and she's like. Oh yeah, we knew you were coming. We've got the doctor right here. Your so, reputation preceded yeah, you. Yeah, that's right. So they there's a, a guy coming. I swear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think he's 85. I'm not yeah, sure what's yeah. happening with this guy. Yeah, man, you should see this guy. He's a mess. And so first time, <laughs> first time I've been in a medical tent um, after a race. But an incredible sense of accomplishment, like just the adrenaline. Uh, you know, Todd was there, our support crew, and and just like like the sense of accomplishment is so hard to put into words because, you know, you've had this fear that you, you can't do this. You've had all these doubts. You've had all these, you know, little adventures inside the race, like a thousand stories inside the race. And, and to be there and to have that sense of accomplishment, you just feel bulletproof. You just feel on top of the world. And that's hence why you keep going back, right? Of course. We ch- you chase that. It's, yeah. Um, how, many, how many runners in the race? There's 200. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I bet they wanted to get to 240, but that's, yeah, yeah, that's the marketer in me. 240 yeah, at the 240. Yeah. Um, how many finished? You know, I think about 110 finished, which okay. was a really high percentage. And yeah. in some ways, I think it um, upset Candace because she, she wanted, you know, really hard race. But first year, very determined runners that showed up, right? And, and in some ways, as somebody said, you know, the people that were at the start line 
we're going to finish this race. Now, things happen, like you just have bad luck, like you can roll an ankle, right? You can get lost, like all kinds, you have to do some navigation. So all kinds of things can happen. But, you know, these were very determined runners. The the winner of that race, you you know, put it in perspective, I ran that in 110 hours. The winner of that race, Courtney DeWalter, uh, finished in 58 hours, uh, blew the pack away. She beat second place by 10 hours. She was, um, running like six minute miles somewhere around the hundred mile mark. Uh, oh, wow. she is, she is a savage. I mean, you know, super inspiring. And, and, and in some ways I think, you know, from that race really opened up a lot of thought process around, you know, how fast these races can be done. Most people had said it was going to be one in around 80 hours. Okay. And, and she, Cause yeah, first race, there's no standard. There's no are, standard. Nobody so knows. This is, you were the first test, the test group. Really. Absolutely. And she just came and just ate that thing up and, and super inspiring to, to see somebody, you know, just be able to do that. And it's amazing in humanity, like, once you see what is possible. Yeah. Like, that universal consciousness yes. that, like, oh, once someone breaks a certain record, yeah. Yeah. how it elevates the field of play. Oh, absolutely. But to go in now, I'm assuming, you know, even yourself or anybody to, to know what's possible oh, yeah. changes the whole mindset. Yeah, those outliers, right, they really allow us all to understand what is the possibility and then to start really, you know, training and focusing your mind on that. Well, and you said it earlier about, about the limits we impose. Oh yeah. And then the, the dialogue, you know, I, I can't help every time you talk about it. I grew up watching the Flintstones, like yeah, there's yeah. a good Fred Flintstone on one <laughs> yeah, car and yes, the bad Flintstone. Yes. Like, yeah. you know, I like to get all my life lessons from the Flintstones. Yes, I think, yeah. I'm, I think, I think I'll do okay if yeah. I, if I, you know, pay attention. Absolutely. But so much of that, like the voice, the inner voice, yeah. and it's not, you don't have to go to ultra sports to have that inner voice. I think we all have it. We, doubt. we all have it. It, it. And I tell people, you know, like, you know, anybody that is trying to run a 5k right now or a 10k and, and you haven't run before, that's your goal. That's absolutely a major accomplishment because that voice is the same voice no matter what, right? That's powerful because you think it's a whole different thing. That's right. But it's, you're bringing the same mind to wherever right. you are. That's right. And if, if, if you're somebody that has never run, you're not in shape and you determine that I'm going to get myself in shape, I'm getting off the couch, and I'm going to go run a 5k, that is the same process of the 240 right? Like the same doubts, the same voices, the same, you know, getting up on a Wednesday and you're like, oh, I'm a little hurt. Maybe I shouldn't run. That's the same game, right? And, uh, and so anybody that's in that, you know, kudos to you, hats off. Uh, I think that's a really important thing, building a system, right? Like goals are important and, right. and they help us understand where we're going. But what the real lesson and the real important things that, that I believe around them are the system you build, Right, so the system I built to be able to run a 240 is get up every morning and run. The how, the how, right? Get on top of your nutrition, right? Mental strength, mental focus. Learn how to deal with your 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 monkey mind. All those things. That's the system. That's the benefit for me um, that I've gotten from this. And you know, the 240s are you know a goal and output. They're important. I love to achieve those. Right. But it's really you know. The, the system that's the, but the goal itself thing. is not the thing that's going to have the impact. No. It's all the inputs that go into it. I think that's right. a really good, right. I, I chatted with uh, Kyle Schufeld, the Olympic mm. gymnast last week. Yeah, yeah. And he has the same, he's got yeah. the little perfect, he has perfection versus excellence. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he, he talks and he, and he looks over and he's yeah. like, you're lying, go away. And he's yeah. got the, the perfectionist on his shoulder that oh, yeah. would, he said, if it had his way would stop him from even trying in case yeah. he didn't get it right. Yeah. And it was a cool perspective, you know, to yeah. hear someone at that level, which again, oh. still, and he goes, yeah. I still, he's still there and I just go away. Like, yeah. shut up. 
not listening to you anymore. And he literally, I can tell because he's worked with coaches and yeah. helped to identify that for himself. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's really important. You said it earlier, getting outside inputs. Yes. You know, left to our own devices, sometimes we might yeah. squirrel away in the corner <laughs> versus yeah. going, oh, wow, I never thought of looking at it that way. And it shifts your whole view of things. Yeah. And I think, you know, the modeling is a great thing. So when you can find people that are doing something similar or they're, they've accomplished that, and you're going to do it in your own way, in your own voice, but they give you a model of how to go after that, right? So, it's hugely you know, important. looking at runners and saying, oh, I, I, I see they're running these long distance. How do they do that? Oh, they, this is how they're training. This is how they're eating. Okay, I'm going to, you know, tweak that a little bit, but there, there's a path. I can follow that. I can, I can take a lot from that, and that's business, and that's life, and that's, you know, being husbands and fathers and all that kind of stuff, and, you know, running not-for-profits. There's, there's great models. Models and, and, and we should look to those those people. Well, we live orders. in a time when so much has been done. And, oh yeah, and you know you're not there, there's there's a lot of new in the world, but at the same time, yeah. there's a lot of times it's just adding your own perspective or yeah. your own flavor to something that's already out there. Yeah, 100%. and finding out what you said earlier, like what's going to work for you. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I love the, 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 the metaphor of the race of, you know, chunking it down, uh, trying to get out of your own way. Cause yeah. man, we do a great job of self set. Like we are excellent at talking ourselves into or out of just about anything. Oh, absolutely. And we can, experts. Let, <laughs> we can let that thing go on to, into some rabbit hole that just takes us into a dark place. Right. And so to be able to catch your mind and to become the observer of the observer, um, especially in those moments and say, Oh, just wait, why is, why am I all of a sudden thinking about the fact that, you know, I'm going to blow out my knee, you know, that doesn't make any sense because I've been running and everything's good. And, and so I think that's an important thing. I think another great mental technique is reframing, right? So a yes. lot of times when we're out there and I was suffering, um, just like Glenn kind of reframed the mountain experience was, Hey, you're in this Moab's beautiful. You're in this beautiful country. Like take a look around and, and, you know, Let's walk and, and enjoy the scenery and uh, and you're on an expedition, right? So it's not a race, it's an expedition and you're going to get there eventually. And and the power of reframing those moments, I think, is a really important thing as well. Well, I, and I've, you know, through some of the learnings and teaching, like so much yeah. of our life is is what, it's, it's, a, it's a hallucination. Yeah. And we can kind of choose that. And yeah. I think, I know when I was younger, kind of mid-20s and I had that moment of like, I can choose how to feel versus yeah. feeling a victim of like, oh, this oh, situation yeah. made me feel this way. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> I can choose like, I, I love the reframe of like, we're in a spa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no one's bugging it. Like that is such yeah. a great example of the yeah. guy's leg is liquefied ins- yes. inside inside of his skin. <laughs> yes, yeah. And he's like, you know what? I'm at the spa right now because yeah. that's amazing. And then, you know, yeah. the whole turkey dinner and like yes. everything that you guys did to kind of reframe that situation to yeah. sit up four days. Yeah. Like that's powerful. Like that that's a tough like it would be easy to reframe that in a negative or to just, you know, sometimes yeah. embracing like what's going on when, but it's still even that it's up to you. It's a decision. To, it's up to you. And you know, I, I, such a good lesson. I go to my friend Ryan, you know, who, who passed away from brain cancer and he was such an amazing guy and inspiring through that event. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, he had a young son and, and wife and, um, and he knew like he kind of knew how that was going to play out. And, um, you know, he said, what is the point of me being angry and bitter about not having time? Cause I'm just going to waste my time being angry and bitter. And that's the time I want. So I'm going to use this time as valuably as I can with the people I love. And so, you know, he did amazing things. Like he's like, why do we wait for a funeral to, to have everybody come? Like have I'm a, cel- a true celebration of right, life. Right, I'm yeah. alive. Let's bring everybody here. And so like, you know, people that were friends with him since he was in kindergarten as university roommates. And we had this big celebration of life and, and even when he ended up in hospice, you know, we rolled in kegs and we played poker and, uh, <laughs> nice. That's you know, awesome. he wanted, he wanted that. And, um, and to the point where he couldn't even read the cards anymore. Right. Like, but he's just like, I want everybody here and I want to be with people. And 
Well, he, he, he knew what was important to him and he embraced that. Absolutely. You know, like, what would you do if you had this much time to live? And yeah. you know, the advantage of knowing yeah. and then actually being able to be like to, to navigate that in your own way. That's powerful. I have huge it, respect for that. It, it, yeah. To choose the way you're going to go out. Uh, right. When and you know it's, it's inevitable. Absolutely. I, it would be hard. Like I, I, I put myself in that situation. I, yeah. I'd like to think I would act a certain way, but yeah. I, you don't know. You just don't know. You don't know. And, and to have the courage to do that and yeah, courage. And, and he definitely, I mean, he had, tough days and tough moments, but he was able, always able to rally out of it. And I remember having this massive epiphany, um, where, you know, we are absolutely nearing the end and there, there was no magical treatment that was going to show up. And the doctors kind of told us kind of where we were at. And I, I, I went to Ryan, I said, you know, what do you want to do? Like, you know, the kind of bucket list thing, like, yep. you know, we'll go, he was a big golfer, you know, we'll go to the best courses and we'll go wherever Europe. And, and he said, you know, Nah, it doesn't matter. None of that matters to me. I just want to be with my son and my wife and my people I love. And, and, and to realize that, like it just, it really unlocks something in my brain, right. Um, of all these little moments we have, these gifts, right. With our, the people we love, you know, going for coffee yep. and we just like, we're so oblivious to that. Having right? a chat right now. Having a chat right <laughs> now. Chat right now. What if this was our last day, right? What if this, if this is the last time you got to, you know, hug your son tonight or, you know, have that conversation with your friend. Like we just, we don't really, we're not really conscious of that. And he really showed me and he was deliberate about that. Like I remember one day I was eating an ice cream cone and he was like going on about how great the ice cream cone was. And I was like, dude, like you really love that ice cream cone, like kind of tone it down a little bit. And he said to me, he goes, this is probably my last ice cream cone I'm going to have, man. I'm going to enjoy every bit of this. And it's just well, perspective. It really epitomizes being in the moment as well. Absolutely. We live so much in the future and the past and we chase Absolutely. the future and we lament about the past. Absolutely. Or, or relish in the way it used to be yeah. versus like, hey, maybe this is the exact best moment you should be having right now. Right. And this is my moment. It's, I, I think sometimes we also think it's these big milestones, you know, like, you know, I was fortunate enough to go to see a Super Bowl, right? That's the epitome of the, like an, yep, a, if you're, yep. an event. And it was incredible. Don't get me wrong. I'm super happy I went there. But, you know, it wasn't the same level of, you know, having a great conversation with Ryan. You know what I mean? Like, yep, I do. And I, 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 I think sometimes we think about just, oh, it's milestone after milestone and checkbox, checkbox, checkbox. And it really isn't. It's, it's all about all these small moments we have and that, uh, that are on a daily basis happening. And I think it's easy to get caught up in that. And we, we, we live in a society that's geared a little bit that yeah. way of always feeling that it's not enough and I yeah. need more and yeah, yeah. I work in marketing for a living. So yeah, you create yeah. these, I'm aware of this, yeah. we create these aspirations and yeah. just remember it's all, it's all kind of bullshit. Yes. <laughs> when you, yeah. when you strip it all away, yeah. like in being in the middle of the desert at, yeah. at night, you yes. strip it all away yes. or yeah. your friend being in the situation that he was in you start, and you find out what matters. It's the people in your life. It's the relationship, which is the fourth stool with the fourth, fourth leg of the stool. Absolutely. And, and you know, I think, you know, most religious traditions, and a lot of philosophy really has this element of reflecting on death. And I think, you know, especially in Western society, um, you know, people get a little freaked out by we that. We do, yeah. And we don't, we it's do. an uncomfortable conversation and we don't like it. And, but we're all going to die. That's a fact. None of us, is, nobody's getting out alive. Nobody's getting out alive. And I think when you actually spend time reflecting on that, it becomes an empowerment tool, right? Because one, you realize this is impermanent. I only have so much time, right? I'm only going to be able to do so much and so many things. And, and, you know, I, I better tell the people I love them. I love them and, and, and use that time wisely, but you're also in this grand scheme of a universe, right? Like, right. Right. Like, so why shouldn't I take risks? Why shouldn't I do things? Why shouldn't I expose myself? And if my ego gets a little bruised, big deal on the grand infinite universe of things and all the billions of people that are coming before <laughs> us and coming after us. It's not that big of a deal guys. Like, you know, give it a shot, see what happens, you know? 
what's you'll the, recover. What's the, from what's it. the worst thing's going to happen? But yeah, you, yeah, you'll 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 survive. And, and, and you'll recover. And your stories are you made it. You you literally sir, you put yourself in, yeah. in environments where death is. You know, I've done some adventures, and yeah. when I, one when I was at racing motorcycles in Italy, and I kind of stepped outside my comfort zone. Yeah, I remember the second lap on the track. I'm like, death is a real thing, right? Yes. Now. Oh yeah. Like, this is very very yeah, real. Yeah. yeah. And the, that night, the wine never tastes better. Life never oh, like oh, yeah. hug my wife harder. Like, oh yeah. Because you know that moment, where you're like, whoa, okay, this is real. Like you Absolutely. have my you have my undivided attention. <laughs> That's right. This is real, and there's an ending to it. Yeah. And I better, you know, embrace what uh, this adventure is that I have, and and I think that's so important. I think you know, I would say one of the things through Ryan's experience was like almost kind of getting unhooked from the Matrix. You know. Okay. It didn't happen in '95 the same extent because I think it was just more about celebration of life. Yep. You know. Well, you were um, younger. You were, a, you were a different cycle in your journey. Different for sure. cycle. Yeah, yeah, and, for sure. And, uh, you know, living on the edge a little bit more. But Ryan, <laughs> you know, seeing somebody at the same age, same place in life as you, and having his his wisdom and his openness, right, I think really connected, like unplugging from the matrix and not sleepwalking through life. Like that, to me, I would, you know, if I'm going to go quote unquote give some advice, is that we have to be deliberate about these things and think about these things. And, you know, you can easily get in a situation where all of a sudden you wake up and it's two years gone by. And what if, like, what did I do with that two years? What, am I any further ahead of where I want? And right. Have a, you kind know, of like life happens, life is what happens when you're making plans and kind of that. Those, yeah. those There's a million analogies and often yeah. in one way or another, they're all true. It's just how is it relevant yeah. to you at the time? Yeah, I just read, you know, a great piece of advice that resonated with me was like, if you do not know who you absolutely want to be in five years from now, you're already that person, right? You are who ah, you're going to be, I've right? I've never heard that one. That's new. Ah, yeah, and if you kind of, you know, kind of think about that and unpack that a little bit, it makes a lot of sense that, you know, if you don't have this deliberateness and and uh, you're working on those things that are important to you, whatever that is, right? You don't have to go run 240. That's, that's you know, something for oh, the this, The story is impactful because it's extreme. Yeah. But everyone has their version of 240. That's right. Maybe it's read, read five books this year. Maybe it's... That's right. It's build a better relationship with whatever. my child. I, I agree with you. That, that's well, a great, it's a great, it's a fun example. And I said yeah. in our society, we tend to really prize those extreme examples. Yeah. But it's the lesson from it that you want to bring back to every day in your life. I think abs- for abs- sure. Absolutely. For I think any of... And that's why I love sport and, you know... Uh, adventure so much is because it is a metaphor uh, back to your to your life, right? And you can apply that back to your life. You know, where where am I at? Uh, how am I coping with this? You know, if this is a metaphor of climbing the mountain, where I where am I at in the mountain, right? And how am I? <laughs> that, doing? A very overused metaphor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but real. Yeah, absolutely. But it doesn't mean you have to go and climb a mountain. No, like take the and I think I know I never want to. I know some I have friends that are not sports or they're not into that, and it feels yeah. kind of alienating. Yeah, which to me it's like look at the lesson, but yeah. find what it, what's your version. Well, we all have them going on, Absolutely. right? And I think you know another thing, you know, working on Give a Mile and being connected to these families and and seeing what they're going through is you know the situations that they have to deal with, the mountains that they have to deal with, and the courage that they have, and the you know kind of the the purpose they bring, like I, you know, unfortunately we give flights for kids, right? Young kids that are, are they're dying and you're talking yeah. to their parents and yeah, you, you get a window into some very tough situations, absolutely, very man. real situations, absolutely. you know, and, and there's many days at work where, you know, I'm like caught up in it and I'm like worried or, you know, complaining to myself about something at work and then I'll get an email like that or I'll get a call like that. And, and, uh, you talk about perspective. You're like, oh, wow, yeah. Just grounds you right back to oh, yeah. instantaneously. Yeah, all oh, these reports are due and I haven't got them done. Oh, this family's dealing with their four-year-old child who's passing away. Yeah, yeah, that's perspective, right? Like Perspective. Right? Like, and, and, and that's obviously their situation and, and what they have to deal with in their mountain that they're, they're dealing with. But it's incredible to see the human spirit and to see what, you know, 
parents and, and people do in those situations. Like, you know, we are resilient. We are strong. Uh, you know, people don't understand that until they're probably tested. Um, you know, I love that, that quote of, uh, you know, how to, the gods curse a man by giving him 40 years of success. Right. So this concept of, you know, trials and tribulation that build us is what define us, define us and really build character. And I, and I see that with these families on a daily basis, right? Like they're, they're incredible what they're dealing with, you know? And all levels from the guy getting in his truck, bringing you the bottle of water to you bringing, yeah. bringing the travel miles. Like it's, it's, it's all community and it's all being, being human. Yeah. And, and, and being humane at being human. <laughs> and, and, you know, the other thing I, I would stress is that this world is an incredible place. Like turn the news off, you know? Yes. Right. Cause that is all about anomalies and, and, you know, telling you certain things that will catch your brain. But no one's going to tell you the stories of all the people that did good deeds today. No one's going to tell you the people that were there for each other. Because unfortunately, fear tracks better. Fear tracks from, better, absolutely. From, you know, the, those of us who didn't pay attention to anything dangerous didn't yeah. survive and evolve That's right. as a species. So yeah. you look back at some of the root of that. If you yeah. rustle in the grass, you're like, oh, yeah. it's nothing. Yeah. Maybe it was a tiger. Yeah. <laughs> so you, know, you look at it that way, it's yeah. kind of propagating on something that is genetically how we got here. But yeah. you're right. A whole news hour of the most positive yeah. stories. Well, clearly, if, if it was popular and you could, they could sell ad time, they would put it on. Right. <laughs> but they don't. And, and there's not, there's even, doesn't just, mean it's not happening. There's, and there's not even just balance, right? If, if someone dies, they don't yeah. talk about somebody being born. Or if, if somebody's assaulted, they don't talk about somebody helping somebody. There's just no balance in that narrative, right? Uh, balance is an interesting way to look at that. And, yeah. And, interesting. And I can tell you through my experience, like, there's incredible people, like incredible people throughout this world. And the vast majority, 99% of people are there to help each other and are full of compassion and they're willing to do things uh, to make the world a better place. And, and so, you know, I, I really, I get concerned when I hear people saying, oh, it's going to hell in a handbasket or I can't, right. things are so getting so much worse and all that type of thing. I don't see that, man. I see the exact opposite. You know, I see us on a much better track. We have tons of problems we got to fix. Don't get me wrong. There's lots of things going on in the world. But you compare that to hundreds of years ago. You compare that to 100 years ago. Uh, we are in such a great position, man. That's so, well, and I'm going to capitalize that for anyone listening. Um, we're going to tune in your green cars, but your green cars are people doing good. Yeah, yeah. And your opportunity, because again, it's whatever you pay attention to. If you yeah. watch the news all the time, then you're, you're, you know, that, that reticulating, activating system of your brain that goes, oh, I need to watch for all this bad yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. You start seeing it, but start yeah. looking for good. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, and maybe even start creating a little bit. <laughs> start creating a little It'll bit. That'll be the change, as it would be the change you want to be in to see in the world. Mm-hmm. And that power of, of gratitude or gratefulness, right? I think, you know, if you just reflect, uh, you know, Ryan being grateful for the ice cream cone. It's not big things, right? Like you think of all the little things. Simple pleasures. Mm -hmm. We can go over the tap and turn clean water on and drink from the tap. Like that's a billion people in the world don't have that pleasure. But how quick that becomes normalized. Oh, absolutely. You know, we adapt so quickly. It's one of our gifts as humans. But taking the moment of being deliberate, like you said, the monkey mind, the jumping all around. (laughs) Monkey mind's a real thing for anyone who's ever attempted to meditate or go to yoga class. And also going, that's okay. Yeah. Just as it jumps around, just observe, just pay attention, see what branches on, see what it's doing, hang out, don't beat yourself up. What patterns it keeps trying to tell yourself I almost guarantee he's going to jump from the same branches from time to time to time <laughs> he's got a story he likes to tell yes oh, yeah. yes yeah. The good that, Fred Flintstone or the bad Fred Flintstone that's right so in, in rap what's what's next on the list like, so Moab 240 I know there's probably lots but from a racing perspective yeah yeah um, so I'm going to attempt this race called the Spine it's in England it's in January it's they, all, they all sound very foreboding I know right they love Death that race marketing lost soul yeah. the <laughs> Spine the Spine just sounds like oh it doesn't sound like a fun frolicking day at the park no no <laughs> Mark, yes marketing and branding yeah 
Yeah, long. it's a 270 mile race uh, on the Pennine Way, which is the British kind of national hiking trail. Okay, it goes from kind of central England up to Scotland. Um, it's through what they call the fells. It's kind of like mountains or foothills uh, in the winter. So the weather is absolutely horrible. Lots of snow, rain, and wind. I think they had 50, 60 mile an hour winds last year. Um, so it's going to be a great adventure. Uh, it's a, one of those things where... We're on an expedition, my friend. <laughs> uh, yes, where you know there's a little bit of fear as I tell you that, and I think that's a good thing. Um, and so, yeah, starting to train in the next few weeks, really getting serious about training for that, and uh, in January, off we go. Well, wish you the best of luck. Thank you so much for sharing your story yeah. today. That was incredibly inspiring. I really enjoyed the perspective, and I, I love the... So just for quick, the four stools. What are the, what's first leg? You got to do something you love that makes money. Second you got to do something you love that gives back to the community. You got to do something you love that keeps you fit. And then you got to invest in your family, your friends, and the people that support you. Well said. Kevin, thanks so much. It was a pleasure Thank chatting you. with you.